Everyone loves to listen to a good book, and there are so many wonderful ones to choose, so we decided to bring you this podcast of Stories Come to Life. Each episode features a story from either classic or modern literature, especially chosen to be interesting and exciting to hear. So sit back, relax, and listen to this story come to life. Welcome to Stories Come to Life. This is episode 23, book 3, and I am your host, Catherine Lopez-Luker. Tip and Jack Pumpkinhead decide to travel to the Emerald City to talk to His Majesty, the Scarecrow. But Jack can't possibly travel so far on his wooden joints. Tip comes up with a marvelous solution, and the Sawhorse joins their little group. Now sit back, relax, and listen to this story come to life. The Land of Oz Chapter 4 Tip makes an experiment in magic. The boy, small and rather delicate in appearance, seemed somewhat embarrassed at being called father by the tall, awkward, pumpkin-headed man. But to deny the relationship would involve another long and tedious explanation. So he changed the subject by asking abruptly, Are you tired? Of course not, replied the other, but, he continued after a pause, It is quite certain I shall wear out my wooden joints if I keep on walking. Tip reflected as they journeyed on that this was true. He began to regret that he had not constructed the wooden limbs more carefully and substantially. Yet how could he ever have guessed that the man he had made merely to scare old Mombi would be brought to life by means of a magical powder contained in an old pepper box? So he ceased to reproach himself and began to think how he might yet remedy the deficiencies of Jack's weak joints. While thus engaged, they came to the edge of a wood, and the boy sat down to rest upon an old sawhorse that some woodcutter had left there. "'Why don't you sit down?' he asked the pumpkinhead. "'Won't it strain my joints?' inquired the other. "'Of course not. It'll rest them,' declared the boy. So Jack tried to sit down, but as soon as he bent his joints farther than usual, they gave way altogether." and he came clattering to the ground with such a crash that Tip feared he was entirely ruined. He rushed to the man, lifted him to his feet, straightened his arms and legs, and felt of his head to see if by any chance it had become cracked. But Jack seemed to be in pretty good shape after all, and Tip said to him, I guess you better remain standing hereafter. It seems the safest way. Very well, dear father, just as you say, replied the smiling Jack, who had been in no wise confused by his tumble. Tip sat down again. Presently the pumpkin had asked, What is that thing you are sitting on? Oh, this is a horse, replied the boy carelessly. What is a horse? demanded Jack. A horse? Why, there are two kinds of horses, returned Tip, slightly puzzled how to explain. One kind of a horse is alive and has four legs and a head and a tail, and people ride upon its back. I understand, said Jack cheerfully. That's the kind of horse you're sitting on now. No, it isn't, answered Tip promptly. Why not? That one has four legs and a head and a tail. Tip looked at the sawhorse more carefully and found that the pumpkin head was right. The body had been formed from a tree trunk, and a branch had been left sticking up at one end that looked very much like a tail. In the other end were two big knots that resembled eyes, and a place had been chopped away that might easily be mistaken for the horse's mouth. 
As for the legs, they were four straight limbs cut from trees and stuck fast into the body, being spread wide apart so that the sawhorse would stand firmly when a log was laid across it to be sawed. This thing resembles a real horse more than I imagined, said Tip, trying to explain, but a real horse is alive and trots and prances and eats oats. Well, this is nothing more than a dead log. It's made of wood and it's used to saw logs upon. If it were alive, wouldn't it trot and prance and eat oats? inquired the pumpkin head. It would trot and prance, perhaps, but it wouldn't eat oats, replied the boy, laughing at the idea, and of course it can't ever be alive because it's made of wood. So am I, answered the man. Tip looked at him in surprise. Why, so you are, he exclaimed, and the magic powder that brought you to life is here in my pocket. He brought out the pepper box and eyed it curiously. I wonder, he said musingly, if it would bring the sawhorse to life. If it would, returned Jack calmly, for nothing seemed to surprise him. I could ride on its back, and that would save my joints from wearing out. I'll try it, cried the boy, jumping up. But I wonder if I can remember the words old Mombi said, and the way she held her hands up. He thought it over for a moment, and as he had watched carefully from the hedge every motion of the old witch, and listened to her words, he believed he could repeat exactly what she had said and done. So he began by sprinkling some of the magic powder of life from the pepper box upon the body of the sawhorse. Then he lifted his left hand with the little finger pointed upward and said, Weog! What does that mean, dear father? asked Jack curiously. I don't know, answered Tip. Then he lifted his right hand with the thumb pointing upward and said, Teog! What's that, dear father? inquired Jack. It means you must keep quiet, replied the boy, provoked at being interrupted at so important a moment. How fast I am learning, remarked the pumpkin head with his eternal smile. Tip now lifted both hands above his head, with all the fingers and thumbs spread out, and cried in a loud voice, Piog! Immediately, the sawhorse moved, stretched its legs, yawned with its chopped-out mouth, and shook a few grains of the powder off its back. The rest of the powder seemed to have vanished into the body of the horse. Good, called Jack, while the boy looked on in astonishment. You are a very clever sorcerer, dear father. Chapter 5 The Awakening of the Sawhorse The sawhorse, finding himself alive, seemed even more astonished than Tip. He rolled his naughty eyes from side to side, taking a first wondering view of the world in which he had now so important an existence. Then he tried to look at himself, but he had indeed no neck to turn, so that in the endeavor to see his body he kept circling around and around, without catching even a glimpse of it. His legs were stiff and awkward, for there were no knee joints in them, so that presently he bumped against Jack Pumpkinhead, and sent that personage tumbling upon the moss that lined the roadside. Tip became alarmed at this accident, as well as at the persistence of the sawhorse in prancing around in a circle. So he called out, Whoa! Whoa there! The sawhorse paid no attention whatever to this command, and the next instant brought one of his wooden legs down upon Tip's foot so forcibly that the boy danced away in pain to a safer distance, from where he again yelled, Whoa! I say, Whoa! Jack had now managed to raise himself to a sitting position, and he looked at the sawhorse with much interest. I don't believe the animal can hear you, he remarked. I shout loud enough, don't I? 
answered Tip angrily. Yes, but the horse has no ears, said the smiling pumpkin head. Sure enough, exclaimed Tip, noting the fact for the first time. How then am I going to stop him? But at that instant the sawhorse stopped himself, having concluded it was impossible to see his own body. He saw Tip, however, and came close to the boy to observe him more fully. It was really comical to see the creature walk, for it moved the legs on its right side together and those on its left side together, as a pacing horse does, and that made its body rock sideways like a cradle. Tip patted it upon the head and said, Good boy, good boy, in a coaxing tone, and the sawhorse pranced away to examine with its bulging eyes the form of Jack Pumpkinhead. I must find a halter for him, said Tip, and having made a search in his pocket, he produced a roll of strong cord. Unwinding this, he approached the sawhorse and tied the cord around its neck, afterward fastening the other end to a large tree. The sawhorse, not understanding the action, stepped backward and snapped the string easily, but it made no attempt to run away. He's stronger than I thought, said the boy, and rather obstinate, too. Why don't you make him some ears? asked Jack. Then you can tell him what to do. That's a splendid idea, said Tip. How did you happen to think of it? Well, I didn't think of it, answered the pumpkin head. I didn't need to, for it's the simplest and easiest thing to do. So Tip got out his knife and fashioned some ears out of the bark of a small tree. I mustn't make them too big, he said as he whittled, or our horse would become a donkey. How is that? inquired Jack from the roadside. Why, a horse has bigger ears than a man, and a donkey has bigger ears than a horse, explained Tip. Then if my ears were longer, would I be a horse? asked Jack. My friend, said Tip gravely, you'll never be anything but a pumpkin head, no matter how big your ears are. Oh, returned Jack, nodding. I think I understand. If you do, you're a wonder, remarked the boy, but there's no harm in thinking you understand. I guess these ears are ready now. Will you hold the horse while I stick them on? Certainly, if you'll help me up, said Jack. So Tip raised him to his feet, and the pumpkin head went to the horse and held its head, while the boy bored two holes in it with his knife blade and inserted the ears. They make him look very handsome, said Jack admiringly. But those words spoken close to the sawhorse, and being the first sounds he had ever heard, so startled the animal that he made a bounce forward and tumbled Tip on one side and Jack on the other. Then he continued to rush forward, as if frightened by the clatter of his own footsteps. Whoa! shouted Tip, picking himself up. Whoa! Whoa! The sawhorse would probably have paid no attention to this, but just then it stepped a leg into a gopher hole and stumbled head over heels to the ground, where it lay upon its back, frantically waving its forelegs in the air. Tip ran up to it. You are a nice sort of horse, I must say, he exclaimed. Why didn't you stop when I yelled, Whoa! Does Whoa mean to stop? asked the sawhorse in a surprised voice, as it rolled its eyes upward to look at the boy. Of course it does, answered Tip. And a hole in the ground means to stop also, doesn't it? continued the horse. To be sure, unless you step over it, said Tip. What a strange place this is, the creature exclaimed as if amazed. What am I doing here, anyway? Why, I've brought you to life, answered the boy. But it won't hurt you any if you mind me and do what I tell you. Then I will do as you tell me, replied the sawhorse humbly. But what happened to me a moment ago? I don't seem to be just right, some way. 
You're upside down, explained Tip, but just keep those legs still a minute, and I'll set you right side up. How many sides have I? asked the creature wonderingly. Several, said Tip briefly, but do keep those legs still. The sawhorse now became quiet and held its legs rigid so that Tip, after several efforts, was able to roll him over and set him upright. Ah, I seem to be all right now, said the queer animal with a sigh. One of your ears is broken, Tip announced after a careful examination. I'll have to make a new one. Then he led the sawhorse back to where Jack was vainly struggling to regain his feet, and after assisting the pumpkin head to stand upright, Tip whittled out a new ear and fastened it to the horse's head. Now, he said, addressing his steed, pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Woe means to stop. Get up means to walk forward. Trot means to go as fast as you can. Understand? I believe I do, returned the horse. Very good. We are all going on a journey to the Emerald City to see His Majesty the Scarecrow, and Jack Pumpkinhead is going to ride on your back so he won't wear out his joints. I don't mind, said the sawhorse. Anything that suits you suits me. Then Tip assisted Jack to get up on the horse. Hold on tight, he cautioned, or you may fall off and crack your pumpkin head. Oh, that would be horrible, said Jack with a shudder. What shall I hold on to? Why, hold on to his ears, replied Tip after a moment's hesitation. Don't do that, remonstrated the sawhorse, for then I can't hear. I'll fix it, he said at length. He went into the wood and cut a short length of limb from a young stout tree. One end of this he sharpened to a point. Then he dug a hole in the back of the sawhorse, just behind its head. Next he brought a piece of rock from the road and hammered the post firmly into the animal's back. Stop! Stop! shouted the horse. You're jarring me terribly! Does it hurt? asked the boy. Not exactly hurt, answered the animal, but it makes me quite nervous to be jarred. Well, it's all over now, said Tip encouragingly. Now, Jack, be sure to hold fast to this post, and then you can't fall off and get smashed. So Jack held on tight, and Tip said to the horse, Get up! The obedient creature at once walked forward, rocking from side to side as he raised his feet from the ground. Tip walked beside the sawhorse, quite content with this addition to their party. Presently he began to whistle. What does that sound mean? asked the horse. Don't pay any attention to it, said Tip. I'm just whistling and that only means I'm pretty well satisfied. I'd whistle myself if I could push my lips together, remarked Jack. I fear, dear father, that in some respects I am sadly lacking. After journeying on for some distance, the narrow path they were following turned into a broad roadway, paved with yellow brick. By the side of the road, Tip noticed a signpost that read, Nine miles to the Emerald City but it was now growing dark, so he decided to camp for the night by the roadside and to resume the journey next morning by daybreak. He led the sawhorse to a grassy mound upon which grew several bushy trees and carefully assisted the pumpkin head to alight. I think I'll lay you upon the ground overnight, said the boy. You'll be safer that way. How about me? asked the sawhorse. It won't hurt you to stand, replied Tip, and as you can't sleep, you may as well watch out and see that no one comes near to disturb us. Then the boy stretched himself upon the grass beside the pumpkin head, and being greatly wearied by the journey, was soon fast asleep. Chapter 6 Jack Pumpkinhead's Ride to the Emerald City At daybreak, Tip was awakened by the pumpkin head. 
he rubbed the sleep from his eyes, bathed in a little brook, and then ate a portion of his bread and cheese. Having thus prepared for a new day, the boy said, Let us start at once. Nine miles is quite a distance, but we ought to reach the Emerald City by noon if no accidents happen. So the pumpkin head was again perched upon the back of the sawhorse, and the journey was resumed. Tip noticed that the purple tint of the grass and the trees had now faded to a dull lavender, and before long, this lavender appeared to take on a greenish tinge that gradually brightened as they drew nearer to the great city, where the scarecrow ruled. The little party had traveled but a short two miles upon their way, when the road of yellow brick was parted by a broad and swift river. Tip was puzzled how to cross over, but after a time, he discovered a man in a ferry boat, approaching from the other side of the stream. When the man reached the bank, Tip asked, "'Will you row us to the other side?' "'Yes, if you have money,' returned the ferryman whose face looked cross and disagreeable. "'But I have no money,' said Tip. "'None at all?' "'None at all,' answered the boy. "'Then I'll not break my back rowing you over,' said the ferryman decidedly. "'What a nice man,' remarked the pumpkin head smilingly. The ferryman stared at him but made no reply. Tip was trying to think, for it was a great disappointment to him to find his journey so suddenly brought to an end. "'I must certainly get to the Emerald City,' he said to the boatman." But how can I cross the river if you do not take me? Ha <laughs> ha! The man laughed, and it was not a nice laugh. That wooden horse'll float, he said, and you can ride him across. As for the pumpkin-headed loon who accompanies you, let him sink or swim. It won't matter greatly which. Don't worry about me, said Jack, smiling pleasantly upon the crabbed ferryman. I'm sure I ought to float beautifully. Tip thought the experiment was worth making and the sawhorse, who did not know what danger meant, offered no objections whatever, so the boy led it down to the water and climbed upon its back. Jack also waded in up to his knees, and grasped the tail of the horse, so that he might keep his pumpkin head above the water. Now, said Tip, instructing the sawhorse, if you wiggle your legs, you will probably swim, and if you swim, we shall probably reach the other side. The sawhorse at once began to wiggle its legs, which acted as oars, and moved the adventurers slowly across the river to the opposite side. So successful was the trip that presently they were climbing, wet and dripping up the grassy bank. Tip's trouser legs and shoes were thoroughly soaked, but the sawhorse had floated so perfectly that from his knees up, the boy was entirely dry. As for the pumpkin head, every stitch of his gorgeous clothing dripped water. The sun will soon dry us, said Tip, and anyhow... We are now safely across in spite of the ferryman, and can continue our journey. I didn't mind swimming at all, remarked the horse. Nor did I, added Jack. They soon regained the road of yellow brick, which proved to be a continuation of the road they had left on the other side, and then Tip once more mounted the pumpkin head on back of the sawhorse. If you ride fast, said he, the wind will help to dry your clothing. I will hold on to the horse's tail and run after you. In this way, we will all become dry in a very short time. Then the horse must step lively, said Jack. I'll do my best, returned the sawhorse cheerfully. Tip grasped the end of the branch that served as a tail to the sawhorse and called loudly, Get up! The horse started at a good pace and Tip followed behind. Then he decided they could go faster. So he shouted, Trot! Now, the sawhorse remembered that this word was the command to go as fast as he could. 
so he began rocking along the road at a tremendous pace, and Tip had hard work, running faster than he ever had before in his life, to keep his feet. Soon he was out of breath, and although he wanted to call woe to the horse, he found he could not get the word out of his throat. Then the end of the tail he was clutching, being nothing more than a dead branch, suddenly broke away, and the next minute the boy was rolling in the dust of the road, while the horse and its pumpkin-headed rider dashed on and quickly disappeared in the distance. By the time Tip had picked himself up and cleared the dust from his throat so that he could say whoa, there was no further need of saying it, for the horse was long since out of sight. So he did the only sensible thing he could do. He sat down and took a good rest, and afterward began walking along the road. Sometime I will surely overtake them, he reflected, for the road will end at the gates of the Emerald City, and they can go no further than that. Meantime, Jack was holding fast to the post, and the sawhorse was tearing along the road like a racer. Neither of them knew Tip was left behind, for the pumpkin head did not look around, and the sawhorse couldn't. As he rode, Jack noticed that the grass and trees had become a bright emerald green in color, so he guessed they were nearing the Emerald City, even before the tall spires and domes came into sight. At length, a high wall of green stone, studded thick with emeralds, loomed up before them, and fearing the sawhorse would not know enough to stop and so might smash them both against the wall, Jack ventured to cry, Whoa! as loud as he could. So suddenly did the horse obey, that had it not been for his post, Jack would have been pitched off head foremost, and his beautiful face ruined. That was a fast ride, dear father, he exclaimed, and then, hearing no reply, he turned around and discovered for the first time that Tip was not there. This apparent desertion puzzled the pumpkin head and made him uneasy, and while he was wondering what had become of the boy and what he ought to do next under such trying circumstances, the gateway in the green wall opened, and a man came out. This man was short and round with a fat face that seemed remarkably good-natured. He was clothed all in green and wore a high-peaked green hat upon his head and green spectacles over his eyes. Bowing before the pumpkin head, he said, I am the guardian of the gates of the Emerald City. May I inquire who you are and what is your business? My name is Jack Pumpkinhead, returned the other smilingly. But as to my business, I haven't the least idea in the world what it is. The guardian of the gates looked surprised and shook his head as if dissatisfied with the reply. But what are you, a man or a pumpkin? he asked politely. Both, if you please, answered Jack. And this wooden horse, is it alive? questioned the guardian. The horse rolled one naughty eye upward and winked at Jack. Then it gave a prance and brought one leg down on the guardian's toes. Ouch, cried the man. I'm sorry I asked that question, but the answer is most convincing. Have you any errand, sir, in the Emerald City? It seems to me that I have, replied the pumpkin head seriously, but I cannot think what it is. My father knows all about it, but he is not here. This is a strange affair, very strange, declared the guardian, but you seem harmless. Folks do not smile so delightfully when they mean mischief. As for that, said Jack, I cannot help my smile, for it is carved on my face with a jackknife. Well, come with me into my room, resumed the guardian, and I will see what can be done for you. So Jack rode the sawhorse through the gateway into a little room built into the wall. The guardian pulled a bell cord, and presently a very tall soldier, 
clothed in a green uniform, entered from the opposite door. This soldier carried a long green gun over his shoulder and had lovely green whiskers that fell quite to his knees. The guardian at once addressed him, saying, Here is a strange gentleman who doesn't know why he has come to the Emerald City or what he wants. Tell me, what shall we do with him? The soldier with the green whiskers looked at Jack with much care and curiosity. Finally, he shook his head so positively that little waves rippled down his whiskers. And then he said, I must take him to his majesty, the scarecrow. But what will his majesty, the scarecrow, do with him? Asked the guardian of the gates. That is his majesty's business, returned the soldier. I have troubles of my own. All outside troubles must be turned over to his majesty. So put the spectacles on this fellow, and I'll take him to the royal palace. So the guardian opened a big box of spectacles and tried to fit a pair to Jack's great round eyes. I haven't a pair in stock that will really cover those eyes up, said the little man with a sigh, and your head is so big that I shall be obliged to tie the spectacles on. But why need I wear spectacles? asked Jack. It's the fashion here, said the soldier, and they will keep you from being blinded by the glitter and glare of the gorgeous Emerald City. Oh, exclaimed Jack, tie them on by all means. I don't wish to be blinded. Nor I, broke in the sawhorse. So a pair of green spectacles was quickly fashioned over the bulging knots that served it for eyes. Then the soldier with the green whiskers led them through the inner gate, and they at once found themselves in the main street of the magnificent Emerald City. Sparkling green gems ornamented the fronts of the beautiful houses, and the towers and turrets were all faced with emeralds. Even the green marble pavement glittered with precious stones, and it was indeed a grand and marvelous sight to one who beheld it for the first time. However, the pumpkin head and the sawhorse, knowing nothing of wealth and beauty, paid little attention to the wonderful sights they saw through their green spectacles. They calmly followed after the green soldier, and scarcely noticed the crowds of green people who stared at them in surprise. When a green dog ran out and barked at them, the sawhorse promptly kicked at it with its wooden leg and sent the little animal howling into one of the houses. But nothing more serious than this happened to interrupt their progress to the royal palace. The pumpkin head wanted to ride up the green marble steps and straight into the scarecrow's presence, but the soldier would not permit that. So Jack dismounted with much difficulty, and a servant led the sawhorse around to the rear, while the soldier with the green whiskers escorted the pumpkin head into the palace by the front entrance. The stranger was left in a handsomely furnished waiting room, while the soldier went to announce him. It so happened that this hour His Majesty was at leisure, and greatly bored for want of something to do, so he ordered his visitor to be shown at once into his throne room. Jack felt no fear or embarrassment at meeting the ruler of this magnificent city, for he was entirely ignorant of all worldly customs. But when he entered the room, and saw for the first time His Majesty the Scarecrow seated upon his glittering throne, he stopped short in amazement. This is your host, Catherine Lopez Luker. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stories Come to Life. Be sure to join us next time when we continue to listen to The Land of Oz. You can find a link to our podcast on the Marshall Public Library webpage, www.marshallpl.org. I'll talk to you again soon.